Hello. Hey, Mark. What's up, Sport, my man? Sporting the COVID beard. Of course. The, the <laughs> cave, caveman COVID, beard. COVID growth. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I was just thinking right now while I was waiting, because, you know, you can, you can stare at yourself in a video. Yeah. It's like, what if Geico commercial decided to bring the caveman uh, campaign back again? That would be good. Two million cavemen ready to audition. Like yeah, they're, right they're, that, that'd be smart, actually. There's got to be some some marketing company that's like going to pull off this, pull something off. That's yeah. going to be really good. All, all the cavemen in the world unite. Yeah. Are you doing busy with uh, the two, two, two kids? Yeah, two kids. And I, I went to, I, I was able to go to Holland last week. I was there for five days and met the team and like started individual meetings and all that. It was really cool. And then my wife's here with the 20, she was stayed back with the 21 month old and the three month old. So she was, so, uh, wait, so you were life. able to fly in from here, there and come back without being quarantined in either place. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> lucky. I had, a, I have a visa. I have a resident residency visa for Holland. Oh, that's so, what they uh, do. They give you that one. So that means you can, it's like, I'm going home. It's like, yeah. I'm going home. It's good. That's very, very yeah. good. Yeah, we'll get we'll get out. to that we'll get to that topic in our conversation. But yeah, okay. First of all, thanks for joining me, Mark. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. explain you what this is all about. Uh, straight handball talk is a conversation between two people that know each other for a while, uh, either were teammates, uh, competitors, partners, or just passionate handball dreamers. Sure. Um, Ultimately, we are forever connected because of the sport of uh, we play, the Olympic sport of handball. And for most of us in the United States, it is the ultimate reward we get from the sport. Because as you know, very few get an opportunity like you have now uh, to make a living out of it, at least uh, uh, for, for certain times. So uh, explaining this, I think the best part is to, and you are the perfect example, how our relationship, our personal relationship began on that court of year 2007 in Delaware and developed and grew up to this day. Do you yeah. remember that, that year, the Nationals in Delaware 2007? Oh, man. I, I don't remember the Nationals in 2007. Like, they, they all sort of start going together. They, they link together year after year after year. And I, I don't remember which, which part it was or where we met on the court, you know, it's... I'll, I'll remind you, but okay. uh, uh, that's the first year I got to play against you. And, and you were that um, sensational story that uh, Christian Zahadia was pushing out there and like talking about this young guy, um, you know, we're sending him to Spain and he was a special one and all the, all <laughs> the, the, the fun stories at that time. So it was also, it was my first year where I decided to quit playing tennis and focus on handball. Uh, is my only sport uh, on the recreational level, right? Yeah. So you were playing for Miami. And uh, uh, I remember um, when we played against you guys, you had a bunch of Cubans in your team. Um, yeah, that's right. Obviously, obviously, you had a great coach. Uh, you had a great goalie. And, um, and because people were talking so much about you, we were like, okay, I know you're still playing against New York City. And we said, okay, let's take this guy out. So I remember... We, we focused on you and we, we gave you three times two minutes 
by beginning of second second half, you were out of the game. You don't That's, remember this? Yes, yes, yes. We had we we actually flew in a player from Cuba who the first game, or no, we didn't fly him, and he was living in the states. But he came and wasn't practicing with us, and he was like six seven and the former Cuban left back. Yeah, and he broke his foot the first game, and then uh, I remember playing, and I was like, oh, I got to go to work, you know, and then. <laughs> I end up going all out and then I get a stupid red card (laughs) third two minute penalty and Christian almost uh, chopped my head off after that, you know? Yeah, that was a, that was a rough tournament for us. We had a high expectations coming into that and uh, sort of the balloon popped. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I remember it. I mean, it's, it's, I have it somewhere that game or the last two games somewhere in a disc, which I need to figure it out where it is. But uh that would the, be good to see. Yeah. The the point is, I mean, that was 2007. And two, 12 years after that, in 2019, first, you and I competed against each other in Lake Placid for a spot to Superglow. Uh, but after that, um, I mean, obviously, we, we won the right to qualify for the Superglobe. Yeah. But sure. after that, you became a part of, of our team. And you were a, a huge piece of us getting that uh, uh, partnership or training with Montpellier Handball Club. So tell me about your side of the story, uh, the Lake Placid competition that we had fighting for that spot, historic spot, and then you joining us as a coach. Well, um, I was I was coaching against you, obviously, with, with LA, and we were all in the same mind of, hey, we're going to, we were going to win this and we're going to go to the Super Globe, you know? So, LA comes we we meet in Lake Placid and it was the first time for a lot of the guys there and it was it's a great experience sometimes you you get there and you're just overwhelmed by like the whole Olympic Olympic movement and Olympic spirit of of Lake Placid so um it was unfortunate for LA but great for New York and uh of course you're always friends off the court you're friends off the court after you play and um we continued our our relationship and I was able to come and help help uh New York with with the Super Globe with with the stat with part of the staff as part of the staff. So the Super Globe experience was great. And while all this was going on, my my coaching career was developing throughout Europe. And I had gotten a job with Montpellier to uh, work with their youth academy. So that's basically 21 years old and 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 younger. And I was there for two or three months and developed some good relationships. And this is at the time a few months before the Super Globe as well. So um, I reached out to you about uh, setting up some some training camp for New York in, in Montpellier. And one thing led to another, and the relationship developed between New York and Montpellier. And the next thing you know, we're playing against the first league in highest division in, uh, in, uh, in France, in, in Montpellier, and I'm still, and I was there. So my, my visa and my family's living arrangements didn't work out in Montpellier. So I ended up having to, to leave the club because of just, just for those, those issues, you got to make sure your whole family's taken care of as far as living in, in that situation. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, uh, things can happen pretty quickly uh, in this small world of handball and um, from, from coaching in Le Placid to coaching Montpellier and then coaching in Superglobe, I think that that's a fast trajectory, but let's go back to Lake Placid. I think you guys came in and brought brought obviously uh, the, the two Brazilian guys. You had Drew, 
uh, highly motivated. And that game, man, I mean, I, I remember Anderson, which we've never seen before. Uh, the only thing I, I've received, the only tip I've heard is well, from Benjamin Brief. He said, oh, there's this guy I played outdoors with. He's going to play for LA. You know, he's played before uh, in Brazil, but he's retired. And then the moment he said that, I was like, yeah, you got nothing to worry about. Anyone who's retired, I, I don't worry about it any, anymore, in, especially in these circumstances, the way we play. <laughs> But then that game begins. I mean, the guy didn't miss a single shot. It was like, what the hell was going on? I mean, how did you feel as a coach having something like that? The thing about it is all week he was sort of – because we went, we had a training. We did some training in at West Point for three or four days before. And he had had some – he wasn't playing very hard, you know. But Jill, our, our, our other backcourt, who's from Brazil had said, Hey, don't worry. When the game starts, it's, it's a whole nother thing. So Anderson don't go, didn't go very hard all week. And sure enough, when the game starts, the next thing you know, it's pop, 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 pop. And we're, we're up by a few goals. And it's like, wow, this guy really woke up and we had a good week of training. So the thing was, the whole situation was good. And uh, we thought, Oh, this is this. <laughs> anyway, as the game progressed, things, uh, things turned and, you know, it was a good game. So, yeah, it 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 was a surprise. At some point, we were joking around. It's like, oh, this guy took eight shots, scored twelve goals, because we just couldn't figure out how the hell was he scoring all those goals. But uh, yeah, we did the little man to man thing, and that helped us a lot, get him out of his rhythm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a interesting game. Could have gone either way at some point, but um, you know, luckily we won. Um, so I, I think I think as far as the, with the history that what New York has accomplished and what you got what you're doing in New York, I think it was it was meant to be in in, in that situation and it showed. And you guys also defeated Canada in the next game, uh, a team from Canada in the next game, yeah. and so you definitely earned it. It wasn't luck. It's something that you you go up and earn. Yeah. You know, I the whole the whole weekend, I was sure about everything, but the the winning part of it because both games were just so weird i mean yeah. both games were just so close but anyways i mean that that's past but then uh we go to montpellier and we start training with the uh, younger guys and uh, what do you think the first game we kind of even though we were dead tired uh, we did pretty okay against them uh what what were your hopes at that time seeing our guys at average age uh, was 35.5 <laughs> what was your hopes? Um, remember, we played the fir their first league team, um, the pro team first, yeah. in a in a controlled in a controlled scrimmage. And I went and, though, and there wasn't as much running, obviously, because yeah. we we concentrated on if you score, you stay. <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, you stay. And then if there's a counter, you run the counter. So I remember looking at the score because they were keeping score in a different way, and we had we had lost most of the, of the way they scored, but we did win like one or two and there was like eight different sections. Yeah. And I remember thinking, all right, that's, you know, to get one or two, even in a friendly scrimmage against this, it's, you know, it's, it's big for our club. And of course, nobody really understands how amateur the clubs are in, in the United States and 
how everybody works, like, you know, nine hours a day, 10 hours a day. And then if they can go to handball training two times a week, that's, you know, that's a victory, you know, yeah. and to get everybody there, that's another victory. <laughs> and if you, and if you can get guys to actually do some physical training on their own or some lifting on their own, that's, well, that's you like know, you're like, yeah, that's like, you're golden, you know? Yeah. So coming to screen, I knew coming to, play the friendly matches versus their youth team who I was just watching them train and working with them for the last, you know, you know, month or two, they were going to run us to death. I knew it. Like they were just going to run back and forth and, you know, you can't compare, you know, somebody who doesn't run to kids that are running back and forth, back and forth, you know? So it showed and I wasn't expecting some, you know, some, some great victory. I was expecting us to actually get in more shape <laughs> as we as we run so when the super globe come you know hopefully we could last a little bit longer and get a little bit more depth on our bench and people yeah. will get more opportunities yeah that, that was a good experience i mean i i obviously the first game we enjoyed because they obviously they're still kids right and they're great technical and talented and the first game they had no idea who we are so it was pretty close and and they didn't push that the gear of running when they realized how hard it is for us to come back for 60 minutes and the other games where they, they picked it up. I was like, God damn it. This is not fair. I mean, but that they, they exhausted us. I mean, I think they really showed to me the difference. And I was just thinking, imagine in Saudi Arabia with the other teams, just grown men who can do exactly the same thing. So exactly. But it showed, it showed when we got to Saudi Arabia, I don't know if you wanted to get into that yet, mm -hmm. but we can, we can talk about Saudi Arabia in a minute, but um, it, it showed when we got to Saudi Arabia, the first game, I don't think, uh, do you want me to start on this or would you? Yeah, yeah go ahead. That, that would be my, my follow-up question. Okay. So the first game, I think there was a lot of pressure on us from the get-go as far as what we, what our mindset was. Because we looked at the schedule and we said, well, if we looked at all these teams, this is the team we should beat, yeah. you know? So I think we all just put that, that uh, mindset that this is our only chance of victory. And we, uh, we didn't perform, you know? We, 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 we didn't come through. And after that, after that game, we all shrugged it off like, hey, you know, let's – moving on and let's yeah. go, you know? And – then you see how how we played the next few games and how our defense played and how our mindset changed that we approach how we approached the game and it showed it showed and it's too bad that with our first game it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth um that maybe people didn't see the rest of our of our games yeah. during the super globe and saw the difference in uh and how in our level of play and how we completely looked like two different teams from the first game to the second and third game, you know, so, um, which is great. You know, I, I think because of our improvement um, throughout that tournament, it showed because we didn't finish last, we finished ninth, you yeah. know, out of 10. So to go to a super globe where no North American team has ever, ever been before. And, you know, that means we, we have a goal for next, next time at the super globe is, you know, get higher, you know, let's, let's, uh, focus on the one game and, and not put so much pressure on ourselves that you got to win what game you think you're going to win just to go there and, and perform and, and do what do what your club is capable of doing 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the first game pressure, we put on ourselves expectations and I'm forgetting that in fact, it is a different world out there and, and people don't forgive mistakes, especially yeah. any of those teams at that caliber. So, you know, there, there is no a second chance if the other team takes a momentum and that's what we, we didn't do the first game. Uh, when we lost the momentum, we lost everything. But in the other games, it was, I, I loved, I mean, thinking about we're playing against Asian champions, African champions, and we gave them a fight. And that was, uh, I guess, something to be proud of. And, and hopefully next time someone else will take them even further. Truth is, we, I mean, we were in a position, we put ourselves in a position to win <clears throat> one game, you know, and maybe not playing together. There's a million excuses you can yeah. make for not coming, coming through, but that, that's what you can hope for as a coach that you put your team in a position to fight, to win a game or fight, to win the game that you're playing, you know, at the end that you can come through and, and that's how teams um, learn to, to be victorious is through close games and, and coming together and those kind of things. So, yeah. yeah, I was, I was really happy with, with how, how everything progressed from the, the time in Montpellier to all the way to the, to the close of the super globe and going uh, four wheeling in the desert. You know, it was, yeah. it was a lot of, it was, <laughs> that's, it was a great time. Yeah. That was, that's a good way to end it. I want to yeah. do that again, just for that yeah. reason. <laughs> so yeah, that was really good. Now, now I'm going to officially congratulate you on your new job. I believe this is a, this, you're the first American born coach to have an official position with a, a foreign um, pro team. Uh, you got the you got the head coaching job for the ladies from HV Kras uh, Volendam. Yeah, Volendam. Yeah. What uh, what town are they based? It's it's in Volendam. Volendam is the name of the oh, town, that's and it's it's fifty. It's twenty. It's twenty kilometers, twenty five kilometers from Amsterdam. So okay. it's literally it's. I don't want to say it's in Amsterdam, but it's right there, and it's actually a it's a really famous fishing fishing town. And there's so much history within the town. And if you uh, if you ever if you look at the map, you're gonna see Volendam, and you're gonna see like a bunch of farmland around it. And then there's the the all the the where all the boats and uh, I think it's called a wharf. Uh, but the town can't get any bigger. So all the land and all the houses in there, the value of it is just astronomical. And then um, the club itself the handball club and there's a, a football club there that are just have a lot of history a lot of former national team players have gone through there and uh through volandam and it's really a, a great a great community and a great place to move yeah that's fantastic how, tell me how did that happen well um i was montpellier i was there and uh i i was closing up that that opportunity there with trying to get a visa and everything and uh there was a, a, a program called FCH or uh, FHC, sorry, Forum Handball Club. Yeah. And they sort of a, a program that's designed to help with, with uh, U.S. players. And, um, and I was one of the coaches that was, hey, I'd like help and things like that. So they, uh, they made a contact through there because we had Ty Reed had gone there. One of our players had gone there for a tryout. And it didn't work out. He ended up going to, uh, to Flensburg and, and playing their, their second team. So – they reached out to Volendam and they said, 
yeah, we'll, we'll meet him, you know, we'll, we'll have a chance. So I drove there, my, my flew my wife back to the States and with the kids, we had one baby at the time. Yeah. And I drove from uh, Montpellier to, to Volendam. Uh, and I went there and interviewed and I talked with uh, the, the club uh, general manager, which is uh, Yost Holmes. And then I talked with uh, the president, the president, Pete, and, we just talked for an hour or two hours of just about everything, handball and this and that. And by the time within like, cause I drove there thinking, Hey, I got to go get on a flight ticket. I had a, I had an open-ended flight that I yeah. could go there for a meeting and go back home or I could, you know, change it and stay. So I literally, after two hours, two and a half hours of sitting there talking with them, we got in the car and I was like, well, should I bring my bag and you can drop me off at the airport after this next meeting? Or do you want me to stay for a couple more days? And they were like, stay for a couple more days. So I stayed hmm. and we talked and uh, one thing led to the next and they knew they wanted me, they wanted me to be a part of the club for sure, but yeah. they weren't sure how, because it was sort of a surprise for them as how the situation turned out. Yeah. Um, they didn't know what what position or where I would where I would be, you know. So I ended up doing a practice training while I was there with the men's, the second team of cross and them. And the thing about the men's league in the Netherlands is, there's cross and them has two teams in the first men's league. Okay, okay. so if you if you're in the top five of the Netherlands league. If, then you're what you call put in the Benet, the Benet league. And that's between uh, uh, Brussels or no, no Belgium and, and the Netherlands, the top five from each league go in a super league. Uh, the, the Benelux countries. Yes, exactly. And those, those 10 or 12 teams end up playing each other in the, like the, the top the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just, they're in that league, the okay. Benet league. And so, but still, Volendam had another team that was still in the top league in the Netherlands that was um, just playing with all the other top teams in the Netherlands. So okay. the option to coach one of the men's teams was there, and the option to coach, they weren't sure about the women's league and what, what was happening there. So um, as things developed over the course of, you know, six months, um, and they ended up... Uh, going in another direction with the men's team coach. And they asked me, Hey, do, are you interested in this? And since the Netherlands national team had just won, you know, the, yeah. as the, top, the top, the top team in the world, I thought coaching the women's league in the Netherlands would be a, a great stepping stone for, uh, well, not even a stepping stone, just a great place for, for me as a coach to develop and uh, with the club and how many teams they have and how much, uh, how much attention they put into to handball in the community. It was, yeah. it was a great place to be. I think it's a great opportunity for you to do something big. Now all you just have to, to do is succeed. That's simple. <laughs> yes, it's simple. It's so yeah, simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. That's it. You got the job, yeah. now just make them the champions. One, two, three, yeah. done. So you what, gotta, you, what you are you goals? Start you never start something unless you have the end in mind. So yes, I have the end in mind. <laughs> so you what, know, what, you, are, what are your goals? What are the goals of the, the team for the season? Um, well, okay. So I'll, I'll, I can tell you my goal, our goal right now is um, 
Volendam has had a quick rise. They went from maybe the fourth, the third, to the second, to the highest league, and it was the first time they were in the highest league last season. Mm-hmm. So the goal is continue to have the mindset of Volendam continue to be in the highest league for a lot of years. Okay. And then, of course, fight to win to be in the top. All right. My, my personal goal that I set with the team was that the people of Volendam of this community are considered to be like really hardworking people, you know, like very just get it done. And they're very successful. If you, if you, if you go into this, this town, you would see just like how, like, it looks like a postcard, how picturesque, (laughs) how beautiful it is. So my goal for the team was, would to be have, is to have that same hardworking mentality on the court and lead to the mindset of having a winning mindset, you know, successful. So, we got to get that mindset of, of hardworking Volendam, uh, the way the people are in, in, in Volendam. But do you, obviously the city has a lot of strength. Do you have enough good players in your team to do that? We have, we have a lot of, we have, we have, we have a lot of good players. Um, we just picked up a couple of uh, youth uh, national or junior national team players from the Netherlands, a goalie and a right back. And then we have some, some strong, uh, some strong players that we hmm. had last season. And we're we're actually still refining because I I just got I just uh, just got this job in the last like approved for the women's team in the last you know month month and a half. Um, now I'm trying to uh, find a couple more a uh, couple more pieces to the to the to the puzzle. Great. Well, so. you know, good luck with that. I think uh, yeah. uh, looking forward to see what you're gonna do with it. Um, all right, now let's jump back to uh, well, jump to Team USA. You've been a well, you are the assistant coach for a while now, and yeah. you worked under Javier Cuesta's wing initially until he retired, and now uh, with Robert Hedden. So two completely different schools of handball, uh, different approaches, at least in my opinion. Um, so it's been a, and it is a great opportunity to learn from these two. But which style do you prefer more? Uh, is it Javier's? more of a wild uh, uh, spread style or uh, uh, Roberts, who is a more simple, disciplined, um, very controlled. Okay. Uh, this is actually a pretty easy question <laughs> because the, the styles and they, it's from two different sort of uh, backgrounds. Um, working with Javier, we were in a residency program. So a lot of things were based on what we could do and, and how, who, who we could bring into the residency program and develop into our program. And looking back at, at uh, the residency program in Auburn, it's just hard to bring in athletes into, into that program. It, it, was, it was difficult for them to stay longer than six months or a year to, to find that, that niche of a life, a life they wanted to, to be a part of in, in the, in, in Auburn, this, the, the people that had the most success were came in and they ended up going to school and getting degrees. And that was, that was bigger than handball. So yeah. Auburn, Auburn was great in, in that aspect. And it was a good situation. Javier had a couple different philosophies as Robert, um, where Javier wouldn't let players pay anything, you know, like there was no, there was just no, like, we're not going to ask players for money. So if we need to go to a competition, I'd rather not, it would rather not go then have the players pay money. Yeah. Okay. So Robert's philosophy, as far as if you're talking about styles of handball, uh, 
I, I learned like I got a lot more chance to to see Javier in practice over five years of developing a program and putting in a system and, and things like that. Where now, as our national team is sort of not, we don't have a residency program, and it's right now it's important to have that direct handball, that direct philosophy, because you don't do a lot of you don't have four years in a training camp to put in a lot of refined, a lot of small things, but you can do a lot of direct actions, um, long cross, empty crosses, and put in basic rules and attacking right away on a counterattack. And these philosophies you can put in right away in a one-week training camp and say, this is our style of play. We're going to play fast, and we're going to come to look to score right away. So um, that's why the question is so easy to answer. It's, hey, it's two different, two different types of putting in our in the philosophies and I think they both had to do what they had to do for for what we had and right now we have a lot of dual citizens and and players in Europe and a lot of American players that are trying to get to Europe and we have a big we have a lot of players in the U.S. that have been a part of the program for a long time and I also see a lot of players that would like to be a part of the U.S. pool you know so um, there's a there's a lot of things a lot of places he has to look for players and um it's important that we uh, that we try to see them all, you know. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if you answered my question, but uh, the <laughs> the point is, if U.S. builds a style, because obviously every national team has a coach that build, builds a style of play. I mean, U.S. in the past had to build a certain style, use what sure. you've got, and if you have you know young people, you can just make them play high up and just run around perfectly fine. But when you play against really good teams, that doesn't really work ever. So I don't think with Robert, you're ever going to go back to that style unless there's some strategic uh, yeah. aspect to it for a short period of time. But do you like the kind of style that's being played now more when, you, when you're playing against top teams or still the, the, the older style was sometimes interesting too? I like what I like the way we're playing now. It's it's great. It's a it's a good system. Um, the play more importantly, the players buy into what we're doing, and with a wide because we have so many players playing throughout all yeah. all of Europe, um, they all they all buy into the system pretty pretty good, you know, and they like the, the way uh, Robert is coaching. So yeah, it's it's a good system. Yeah, it's it's much better to watch too. Yeah, and, and I I think also. It's never been a better time for uh, to be a U.S. handball player, considering there are wild cards for world championships in 25 and 27, and of course Olympics 28, and we don't know maybe even in Egypt a wild card can be uh, handy coming soon. Yeah. So sure. what do you th what do you think are the biggest challenges for Team USA with what you have? Stay motivated and and think. When you get there, because right now, sort of like the path is, uh, the path is opening up for all these younger guys. I mean, imagine yeah. you if you had that chance when you were at your age when you're playing. Said like, okay, I'm going to World Championship. How do these guys, or Team USA, uh, goes to these championships competing hard and maybe have a chance to win a game or two? Oh, how do we? We're we're right there. Oops. Phone is, Someone is calling just, No, no, I have my phone. You, you know how twenty percent? <laughs> you have twenty percent battery left. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm good. Uh, the question is, how do we how do how do we compete to win one or two games, 
or yeah i mean I, ideally go there and win one game against a great team like argentina did just a few years ago after many many tries yeah. when they beat sweden well, well if we don't have a residency program we don't have a lot of of players coming together to stay for six months or traveling every so often the way you do it is you get players placed in europe that you have i mean i can't go i can't tell you what I mean, I could tell you, hey, we should go recruit 17-year-olds um, that just graduated high school and find them an opportunity to develop. And, yeah, we can get into that whole debate of what's better college, after college, I would say. But I'm, I'm, I'm big on what do we have right now, mm -hmm. rather to, to develop or to put us in a good position, you know. So right now we have a few players in the U.S. We have that, that, can, that could be placed or if they were interested in being placed in Europe. Or, and we also have a lot of dual citizens, you know, that, that are being placed. Now, you have Ty Reed, you have players like Michael Lee, and you have the Ian Hoiters, and you have uh, Domovoy Sersons. You have all these players that are now playing in high levels in different clubs. And I think it's important that whoever wants to play in Europe and whoever makes that decision to go over there and try to find a club, it's we, the U.S. supports them in the highest league they can play in, you know. And there's programs like F, 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 uh, FHC that the higher they play, the, the better they get as far as handball-wise and um, the better the U.S. better the U.S. with. That's, that's what we have right now. Now, are there other wishes and dreams that I wish we could do to make the U.S. better and have, our, have more reach with more players? Absolutely. Like tryouts and, and all those kind of things to develop. Yes. But right now, what do we have? That's that's the question. Yeah, and and could one of those dreams be that all these guys who are in Europe, whether dual citizens or not, or uh, the guys who are coming from here for those short terms to sort of develop into uh, better players, what if all those guys form a team, play in any of those leagues, whether second, third, fourth league, but play in and out, live together, and spend an entire season or two together as one team do you think that could be even more interesting like going through it would be great it, like i said it, that's one of those if questions that like if we could do this if that was possible but for example let's say you take the hoiter brothers you know yeah. one of them might have be one of them might be married and one of them might not be married you know one of them it's just how do you get all of our best players together when people have things with life going on, you know, yeah. they, they, somebody might be finishing their doctorate and going to school, you know, someone might be pursuing other ways, but still wants to play handball. And for, for them, for them to get all together in France or whatever it is, it's like the, like the handball is great, but it's not the most important thing in life for, for every person or for any person, you know, you have family and all those things. So, not that it's impossible, but it's not likely yeah. just because people have lives, you know, and life goes on. I, I completely agree on that 100% actually. Um, I mean, that's why during this time that I have so much time in my hand being at home, I was just thinking like, what is the greatest benefit reward that I got from handball? Um, just these connections, these uh, life uh, experiences that, especially in U.S., that that make me happy and that ultimately is uh the goal but yeah i wish i made money out of it uh a, a lot of it and not spend my money to keep it alive but uh 
it, it, it is tough. Uh, but again, if we're having big visions, um, we definitely need a lot of resources to really yeah. make sure that the people are involved, get the opportunity wherever they are to actually represent us in the highest level. So, but yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of things that I think they're happening right now. So do you think you will stay as an assistant coach? Yeah. My plan is to be with the U S as long as I can along, mm -hmm. and represent with, with the U S national team as long as I can. It's, it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to, to be always be a part of the U S team. You know, I don't take it for granted at all. Um, that's how I started playing handball really as far as, I mean, I started in Miami with, with Christian Zaharia and I, I trained there for, for four or five years without like four or five years with no in Miami and there's no other clubs around. <laughs> You're, you're putting in the work to drive back and forth and you did a lot, he did a lot and the club did a lot to, uh, to, to grow the sport. So, yeah, but I'm going to continue with the U S team as long as I can. Um, I would love to see as far as it, in the U S the one thing that I think is, would, would uh, set, set stages for a lot of clubs is if clubs have their own gym, not that they have to rent it out or anything like that. Any club that has their own facility would put them light years ahead of, uh, of a lot of people, but you know, it's, it's hard to come by, you know, I've seen plans from other clubs to say, Hey, we're going to build this gym and that, but it, it's a hard thing to do. But if it ever happens, I think it would be a, a, a gold mine for, and, for clubs in the U S. Yeah. I've, I've in the last 13 years, I probably paid up to $200,000 in, in gym fees. Yeah. And it's one thing that bugs me so much. And plus these gyms are half of, half handball field no goals i have to bring the folder goals i have to put the tape on the floor every single practice take them out some of them don't allow you to 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 use uh, glue so yeah like, it's it's insane in that aspect and yes i wish yeah. i wish i had a, a gym dedicated the, the, gym. the first club that that has a, a gym that's that's theirs that's for the community around it could be in any city in the world yeah it's it's going to be a great a great thing, and I think hopefully it'll lead to other clubs building their own gym and things like that. But um, that would, if I was living in the U.S., I would I would that would be one of my goals before my handball handball career is over to have my own gym. Yeah, there are many rooftops open in New York City. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a soccer fields, tennis courts, all of it is here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, going back to your just quickly. Uh, is Christian Zahadia the guy who made you fall in love with handball? Or no? I, yeah, he he's the one that that brought me up. You know, he developed me all the way all the way through. I can still hear his voice whenever I'm like coaching or playing or whatever. Like, look at the goal, look at the goal. You know, like every time you touch the ball, look look at the goal. You know, so <laughs> I hear that I hear that all the time. Um, yeah, he he was a huge part of of uh, me maturing as a player. And a lot of the, some of the a lot of the things I do as a coach are are still uh, influenced by by what he what he uh, ingrained in me. So mm. I appreciate that. Well, you you have a good good memory of of him telling you, uh, look at the goal. I remember my coach telling me, like Benny, stop dribbling because as soon as you <laughs> as soon as you get off the court, I'll give you a ball. You can dribble dribble all day long. <laughs> just yeah. like in my head, it's like okay, I can't dribble. I just need people. <laughs> 
<laughs> I dribbled between my lunt my legs once in one of my first games with, with Zaharia and like he called a timeout. He's like, What are you, Scotty Pippen? I was yeah. like, well, <laughs> no, no yeah, more that, dribbling. Yeah, that's that's the old school handball. Like you do that all of a sudden you're sitting on the bench for the next two games and like, but what did I do? Well, remember yeah. that two dribbles that you did? You're out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good old school handball. Anyways, I'm going to ask you a couple of trivial questions. Who do you think is sure. the best handball player in the world currently? Ooh, in the world. Well, I got to respect Karabatic and the way he plays. And like, for me, having a big defender in the middle and coming straight down the court and having the best angle on the goal to shoot and being that big and having such the, the spacing of his of his steps, I, I like that style of play. Yeah. What about the best goalie in the world? Well, okay, so um, I was just in Montpellier, and I was uh, had a chance to meet uh, man. He's from Croatia. Uh, I always I don't want to say his name wrong, but uh, Gigu, uh, what's his name? Um, the first goalie from Croatia. I can I don't want to uh, say I'd have to. I can't look on my phone, because, <laughs> but I, I appreciate him and his style of play as well. Yeah, he's he was there when we were there too, right? Yeah, he yeah. was there. We played. You guys played against him. Yeah, yeah, he's great. We played against him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who, in your opinion, is the best U.S. handballer of all time? U.S. handball. Oh man, that's hard to say because I haven't seen. You can't see video of a, a lot of old players. You know. Um, oh, let's say the best handball player that you've seen in your of, of my of our generation. Yes, or our generation. Yeah. Uh, best handball player that I've seen. And you're gonna put you're gonna get me in trouble with this one. Well, you gotta say it first. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think here. Who did I see? Um, can I give a couple names? Can I throw a couple names out there? You know what? I'm gonna make it easy for you. Make me the best starting lineup of you oh no I, I, need, I need more time for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not getting into this oh, for the U, uh, no no i can't i'm not oh, getting into any, uh, you have three players do three players um i would like in my past i like the way vlado played as the pivot um i like the way greg inahara plays at the right wing and how mm -hmm. he picked up the game mm -hmm. and let me think uh, I'm gonna just go with uh, two for now, and then I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think of, if I think of another one. If I think of another one while we're while we're talking, then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, but you know what? Funny you mentioned Vlado. Um, you haven't seen him, but the dude is at the same weight and same physical preparation as he was in 2009 when he showed up in our club. I mean. Well, He's been training, yeah. working hard. Uh, he looks good. He was pumped up for the Nationals. Um, and I actually asked him, talked to him earlier. I'm like, damn, man, you're ready for the, uh, for, for the Team USA. He's like, I'm ready for anything. So Yeah. He's been and, doing that construction business or he's been, been yeah, just yeah. running and getting in shape? I think construction is one, but also he's been uh, uh, staying it's in all shape. all those soy lattes that he's drinking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're, you're right. He's, he's like one of the... the toughest, smartest, uh, yeah. and smoothest uh, pivots that we've had. Too bad that yeah. he's not involved anymore because he's still young, yeah. 32. 
I like Vlado and just his style of his play and, and how he played. And the fact that I like Greg, that he started handball so late and, and what he was able to pick up, you know, is the, the mental aspect of it, but also the, the way he uh, just picked up the game. It was good. Yeah, those, those I, two, I, uh, I like Greg too. Too late. I mean, yeah. too bad. He got injured at his peak, sort of. Sure. But anyway, so Mark, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I wish you good luck in Holland. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of fun and um, it's another great experience. And if you have anything else to add or talk about, please let me know. We can continue. Uh, I know you have two kids at home. Uh, but you yeah, got little. Nap time. Yeah. Yeah, it's nap time. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll set up something for New York in, in, uh, in, in Volendam. So um, I know you guys go to Lake Placid every year before nationals. It might be, it might turn out to be somewhere in Amsterdam one year, you know? <laughs> so it's possible. It's, it's cheap flights from New York to Amsterdam. It could be cheaper than going to Lake Placid. It, it, I think so. I think it could be. Yeah. Hey, the only thing I'm afraid of my, my guys to be so close to Amsterdam. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that could be a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it would be a great trip. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Mark, and we'll stay All in right. touch. Take care, All man. Right, Benny. It, was, it was nice talking to you. Talk yep. to you later. Bye. Bye.